and I want to just live life fully now. I don't want to wait till later and I don't want Bowden to be something I've sacrificed stuff for, not because he's not worth it, but because I'm worth it. You know, it's got actually got nothing to do with him. Yes. It's got everything to do with me. gives you two choices when it throws everything at you. You can let it swallow you whole or you take those lemons. And as the old saying goes, you turn it into sweet, delicious lemonade. And that's exactly what this podcast is all about. Welcome to Lemonade. I'm your host, Elizabeth O'Neill, and I'll be sharing the incredible stories from inspiring people who've turned the hardest times in their life, their lemons into lemonade. Because let's be real, we all want to know how they did it, the lessons they learnt, and what life is like sipping the Michello on the other side. Let's get juicing. Monique Barry, welcome to The Juice. How are you? Mm, very good. Another month of 2020. Yeah. has <laughs> <This> happened. <laughs> month 19 of 2020, I think it is. Oh, yes, something like 742. It's ticking along. We might just preface this and just let you all know we are recording this on the new moon in Virgo and we know that Monique doesn't have a great relationship with the new moons. <laughs> so we day one of my period as well. So we're pulling ourselves out. We're going to be the light being light working beings that we know we are or want to be. So what's news? How are you? I feel I feel actually like good today like I do feel very tired um it has been a very hard few weeks for me on so many levels um but I think that's just the theme of 2020 and I want to be disgruntled about it and get into that whole conversation about oh the fuckery of 2020 and lol like I'm expecting another like I'm not surprised another bad thing's happening um but the perspective that I really have been taking is um, just actually noticing where a lot of my life has been really in misalignment and more subtle, subtle, you know, not so obvious things, things that I probably first, you know, would have initially thought, oh yeah, I'm really aligned. I'm really, really like doing, I'm really living my best life and really living with my highest version of myself, you know, forward. But, um, that's not true. (laughs) And it's been quite shocking because I've kind of been like riding that bliss way for a long time of like feeling really good and feeling really like positive and feeling really, um, you know, like inspiring and all of those kinds of things. Uh, and I'm seeing it, I'm not seeing that as bad. And I know a lot of people are, I'm very, I'm very much seeing that as like things that are falling away so that my real truth can shine through. So been a month for you yeah it's been a cracking open awakening I feel like we almost Mm. manifested it considering our last juice episode four weeks ago was about the dark night of the soul and that was honestly the beginning of this whole like that I don't know if we manifested it from there or we were speaking about it because it was just starting to like you know rear its head but I'm literally looking at a book as well that says the dark side of the light chasers right now by Debbie Ford. But um, maybe you should yeah, go back was... and listen to our app and listen to your own advice about it. Yes, true. But that was definitely the start of this month of stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's been, it is funny to think that it was only four weeks ago because it, yes, I feel like a lot has changed in both of our lives. And I've we will... lived a lifetime in four weeks. Yes, it's, we're going to, I think the biggest, um, I feel like it's a good time to bring it up now. I think the biggest change has been that you have started seeing my therapist. <laughs> and so we now have the same therapist and we now have, and I, I did flag in the last episode that I was going to let you, you all know how somatic therapy went because I hadn't done it yet. And yeah, you, was, <laughs> you were so interested in it. And now you are seeing her as well. So... <laughs> So we both have the same therapist who is a talk therapist and is amazing and the same somatic therapist who is amazing as well. So obviously it went really well. I can't speak more highly enough about my experience with somatic therapy and about it releasing, oh my gosh, just so much that was being held in my body. And I do want, this is a deeper conversation that we will get to. I just wanted to, I just, it just felt so natural to bring it up in this initial chat. But um, if you're looking for something that's a little bit deeper than talk therapy, which is so good for us as well, I can't 
recommend it high enough. So that's why I think just to loop back to what you're saying, just to give the listeners some understanding of why it's been such a huge month. I think because we've both undertaken this new journey and it's just been like, Hey, you want to evolve? Hey, you want to be a better person? Hey, you want to strip back layers and peel it all back? Here you go. Enjoy. Yeah. I just think that nature has just, I've been ignoring a lot of things for a very long time and nature's like, universe is like, move, move, move. And I'm like, I'm and good. The universe is like eject button. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. And like you, you know, to me, you're always such a pillar of stability and you're always such a pillar of, I don't know, like you always seem to me like one of those people that just has it all together. And not, to me, that hasn't changed. I know you probably think within yourself that has. So it's so interesting for me to observe you being like, you know what? Like you messaged me and you're like, I just hate everything and I just don't feel in alignment with anything I'm doing. I'm like, what? <laughs> this whole world's an illusion and I'm part of it. Oh make believe. <laughs> Where has this come from? So, no. And again, like just to then loop that back into that whole theme of 2020, it really is, you know, we all started the year saying this is the year of 2020 hindsight. Ha 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 Like everyone said, you know, that was the whole thing that everyone was saying. And now we are getting 2020 hindsight on who we actually are, what actually matters and where we want to go. And we're like, Oh, oh no, 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 no. We didn't, we didn't, we didn't mean this 2020 hindsight. We didn't, we didn't actually mean this. We didn't want to see it this well. Like, I didn't want to see this clearly, <laughs> just a little clearly. No, 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 but- no. So um, this might um, tie in nicely then the tarot card I've pulled for you this month, which is the Ace of Wands. So the Ace of Wands is is an epic card. It brings you pure potential, this time in the spiritual and energetic realm. Ideas are flowing to you, motivating and inspire you, inspiring you to pursue a new path. You're open to receiving new opportunities that align with your higher self. A whole world of possibility is available to you. And the Ace of Wands is encouraging you to follow your heart and live your passion. If you feel a strong pull to, towards a specific project or path, but you're questioning whether it will work, then this is the gentle nudge that you're going in the right direction. This is the gentle nudge that this is the right project for you. This is a clear yes. Oh, I so needed to hear that. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm so glad. I, when I pulled it for you this morning, card. I was like, you are going to freaking love this card. And yeah, I pulled for me, which I feel like is quite apt as well, the Page of Pentacles. And that brings a welcome message of new beginnings, inspiration, and the initial stages of a creative project or venture, which we have been working, mm. I know, together on that. Uh, it re- Pentacles rule the material realm and correspond to the element of earth. This page symbolizes a burgeoning awareness of the value of money, wealth, possessions, career, and physical health, and how to manifest more of these material blessings. If it appears in a reading, you are tapping into your ability to manifest a personal goal or dream and are in the midst of a new project oh my god this is so relevant for it's you. good isn't and you it? know what's funny uh what did it say something about manifesting a dream you, yeah new project yes the project that we're working on right now is literally i was looking at our notes from our very first session and it's on there as one of your goals that, that was is like so three funny. And a half years ago yeah i anyway. feel like this has come th- this has come to me because my mantra because you correct me when I say mantra, (laughs) my mantra, my affirmation of August, September, because what else can I do in day 942 in lockdown is to create space within my life. So I'm in creating space physically, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, in every possible way, which is why I've been, I've really dived headfirst into really intense therapy so I can clear all these old blockages and patterning that was just holding me back. I've been doing yoga every day, even the days I really can't be bothered because I just want to feel that openness within my physical body. I have been doing like a lot of breath work and wanting to open up in that really emotional heart space. So I feel like this page of Pentacles cup is a lovely affirmation that the work I've been doing has been the right thing. And, you know, opening up that space for me has been um, really vital in and really integral in allowing what I want to eventually start flowing into my life, which I think we all do. We all have to almost do a spring clean of ourselves to let 
Lady I feel like this is what a lot of this stuff is, is like it's a, de- well, for me, I know that all of the stuff that is coming up for me is a decluttering process because. Virgo season. Yeah. And you need, you can't keep just bringing new things and new things and new things into your experience or your life or your mind or your subconscious, you know, you cannot just keep hoarding all of this stuff. So, so true. Hoarding. Yes. Yes, you have to. And Virgo season is the best time for that, which is right now. Virgo is all about decluttering and spring cleaning and letting go of the old to bring in the new. And Virgos are renowned for being the clean freaks of the of the zodiac. So, you know, if you're feeling that urge to just, oh my gosh, I need to clean out these drawers. I need to scrub every window it's in my house. right now. That is Virgo season in all its glory. And I've been really taking advantage of that and clearing out my entire house, clearing out everything in my mind, journaling so much and just releasing so much. And it's just been been, like a mofo lately. (laughs) And you know, if you, if this is resonating with you and you want to think of your own kind of mantra, it doesn't have to be creating space. That's just one that resonated with me. There can be anything that you, you know, anything that you feel called to do, then why don't you then, you know, a really good tip is then to write out a list of all the ways that you can achieve that, which is what I've been doing. And I think when you put it out there like that, you notice the wheels start to turn and you do get what you want, even if it can be a little bit painful in that process. Uh, it all feels really, I don't know, good when you can, when you can see it coming toward you or you can, you can physically see and, fe- and feel the benefits of it. I want to get from you also the oil of the month, please. Okay, so I've been really drawn to, and in general, I really am drawn to like furs, um, but this month is black spruce, which is the oil of stability, and it's really helpful in times of crisis. I mean, these trees really um, demonstrate to us a model how to stabilize our energy and how to withstand storms and our environment by grounding into our roots. So black spruce and then pairing it with something like green mandarin, which I think mm. is your potential um, or something a bit more uplifting, like some, some kind of citrus is really, really nice. I love lime. I've been putting lime in my diffuser and it is just so oh. beautiful. Like the, when I looked it up in the book of what the spirit, the uh, emotional meanings of all the oils, Lime was like the zest for life. So if you've been feeling a little bit down and out, that's the one I kind of put on yesterday. And then it encouraged, it just kind of turned my whole life around. Sorry to just crash your oil of the month. We just give you my own oil of the month, by the way. <laughs> that's really sweet. Thank you so much, Monique. But mine's going to be lime. <laughs> that's like your segment. And I'm just. Yeah, you started the same. You were like, oh, I'm really tired. Like, I really need to wake myself up. My peppermint oil's not working. And now I can't shut you the fuck up. So I can say. That was so, that's so your segment, the oil, and I've just come over the top and just like, cute, so sweet. Thank you so much. Oh, look at her, but, like, making up a little, like, oh, cute. <laughs> so what are you reading, was watching, my- and listening to? <laughs> are you actually asking me? Yes, I actually <laughs> want to know. So I can, yeah, literally. Right, so you can pull it to pieces. Okay, yeah. great. Well, um. My project for October, well, actually, I think it's like a year thing, um, was I was feeling really called to read A Course in Miracles. And then when I was talking to our therapist, she mentioned it. And then I was like trying to find it. And Steve was helping his mum move. And she was like, oh, I've got this book, Course in Miracles, which I found at a hospice shop. Do you want it? So I was like, fuck yes, universe. I'll take it. So I'm just starting. Wow. I know. A Course in Miracles. That's my um, thing of three, my rule of three that I always live by. Um, I'm watching Unwell. Of course, I started with the Tantra one, (laughs) (laughs) which is funny. Uh, And then I'm listening to, I'm loving, every day I listen to a Ram Dass chat uh, from his Here and Now, from Here and Now. I think it's a podcast, but I'm listening to it on Spotify. So Okay. I've not heard of that. I'll have to check that out. I am it's listening. Amazing. I'm watching the same as you. I'm watching Unwell as well. And we have chatted about that. Interestingly, coming off the back of our oil gag, I want to say conversation, but it just turned out to be an absolute <laughs> farce. Um, the, <laughs> well, the episode on oils is really fascinating. I still love them and I still use them. Um, and I think with anything, any of these 
anything in your life, you can overdo it and take anything to the extreme. I don't know if you felt like this, but when I was watching Unreal, like I was watching the Tantra series and I almost felt like the documentary, they were taking like a very skeptic view. They were asking the most extreme versions of these people. Yes. And it kind of felt, I was just like this, it didn't feel like they were genuinely curious versus like the goop documentary series mm. genuinely curious and like practice these things themselves they felt like an air of skepticism or like making fun of them a little bit so true especially in the oil one i really loved the ayahuasca yeah. one. Oh my gosh i could not say it's my one word i cannot say that was ayahuasca. really freaked me out some parts of it because again that's what they were kind of giving you that extreme but that was really enlightening and i watch the fasting as one as well the fasting mm. dieting one mm. I haven't seen that one which yet. I think is important for women to watch to be honest um so yes I've been watching unwell on Netflix and also still binging revenge I'm still on that I know oh, and you were gonna poo-poo my life fucking watching thing I like, just oh, I just need something so easy to watch at night anyway and I am also listening I listened to an episode with Johan Hari on the Imperfects podcast, which is Hugh Van Kylenberg, who I had on my podcast, his podcast. And it was really, really fascinating, deep dive into mental illness, like depression, anxiety, um, addiction, and how and reframing our approach when it comes to things like depression and anxiety. And instead of asking, you know, uh, you know, he's definitely things if people need medication they should definitely take it but there's there's a there's room for us to have a more uh, nuanced conversation when it comes to this and kind of ask reframe it in a way that we're asking people what they actually need rather than trying to just fix it and cure it like trying to I guess it's you know it's a more therapeutic approach so I really enjoyed that and I think you would enjoy that too and I'm not reading anything because oh my god I don't know I just I'm not reading anything and I feel really embarrassed with me that anyway so for our first chat, we're going to discuss something that's come up for both of us in our, I wanted to say collective therapy sessions, but we didn't do them together and it's really weird. <laughs> our group therapy. <laughs> yeah. In our individual sessions, uh, this theme of, and it's going to sound a little bit abstract when I say it, but bear with me, humanness and how that relates to our spirituality. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm noticing this in a lot of people other people as well on social media as well. There's this kind of conflict that's going on between people who feel like, you know, that maybe follow a more spiritual path and feel like they're ascending beyond themselves and feel like they're tapping into this higher self, which we have discussed, higher self. And then in that process, rejecting who they also then are as a human and in, in, in their physical body. And Again, that's come up for both of us. And I think this is a really important conversation to have. And I know when we've chatted this out and talked this out, I just felt a lot, I don't know, like a lot of pressure was eased off me to realize that essentially we're humans. We've we've reincarnated into a human physical form for a reason to experience this human experience, experience is human experience, experience is human frequency, I I guess you could say, for a reason. And that at the end of the day means that, I guess, I don't know, I'm kind of rambling, but (laughs) maybe you should jump in. (laughs) Okay. Well, uh, this has definitely been like a huge theme for me. And so if anyone knows me or works with me or has been, you know, following my journey for a while, I would consider myself a very spiritual person. I, uh, a lot of the things that I practice and believe in are very spiritually based. And that's also very, very, very true for me. Um, But I guess why I started seeing a therapist and then why I was definitely interested in somatic therapy was because I felt like there was a part of the equation that I was missing. I felt like I felt uh, like I had this whole world going on inside of myself and I couldn't seem to align it with the model that I was presenting to the world. 
um, they felt like a discrepancy between the two. And so I wanted to kind of work through that through with, with a therapist and someone that I trusted and understand, you know, what, what was going on for me. And I guess I thought that the way to my divinity was to reject my humanity, reject these very human real experiences that I was feeling and to really like fully embody this spiritual vision, the spiritual model that I was presenting to the world. And I just kind of had this, realization one day that the way to my divinity is actually through my humanity and that my soul wants me to partake in the human curriculum wants to partake in this world and so really like if I was to think about what you know my inner world versus my outer world right I can I I do feel very fulfilled to a degree on the inside but there's sometimes where I'm talking to someone or working with someone or interacting with someone or sharing something and there's a disconnect. So uh, someone has said something, for example, that I don't agree with or that upsets me and I can literally feel myself, my intellect or ego, whatever you want to call it, quieting the voice inside of me that wants to speak up or speak out or say what my truth is, you know, and that's, um, Yeah, so that's what I've started to notice is that there's a disconnect between what I'm feeling, thinking, and wanting to do on the inside versus how I'm externally feeling, thinking, and and taking action in the world. And I guess what I was coming to the conclusion was is that I wasn't comfortable, and this is what somatic therapy has really helped me with, I wasn't comfortable with sitting with my feelings. I didn't even really understand what that was. You know, if I was having uncomfortable feelings, I would just do whatever soothing techniques came up for me or spiritually bypass basically and think about what I do want to create and think about what I do want to manifest and, and, you know, focus on the positive things and have gratitude and appreciation for my life. And all of those things are very helpful, but I was, I think that's the second step more so than the first step. And the first step is really the emotional processing, which is um, the somatic therapist really helped me understand something. uh, And I'll I'll loop back. But the emotional processing is really like firstly acknowledging and accepting that you are feeling the way that you are feeling. That doesn't necessarily mean you need to just go out and blab whatever's on your mind, but allow like acknowledging that you're having these emotions that might be anger or sadness or grief or hurt or whatever they are and realizing that they actually have something to tell you and I know that kind of feels very obscure but if you instantly have these uncomfortable feelings and you reach for your soothing techniques which might be food or alcohol for example uh, or it might be um, to to bypass p- bypass and go straight to like gratitude and appreciation and, yes. and and turn your attention to like the good things that are going on in your life. There's clues and the discomfort that um, like sh- yeah that that help you understand yourself. How have helped me understand myself on an even even deeper level that I could never have imagined possible if I just continued with the spiritual bypassing. Like for example we were doing a session um, with the somatic therapist and she took me to a safe place in my body. So it's really about embodying my physical body, embodying like the very essence of me being human, not my root identity, not my soul, but like actually embodying this, this suit that I wear and think through and experience life through every single day. So she took me to a safe place and then she said, you know, uh, what are you doing with your mouth? (laughs) I was like, what? She's like, you've, you said you're, you said you're feeling safe and you, and you're feeling relaxed, but suddenly you started chewing your lips. And I do know that I chew my lips is a nervous thing, but I kind of just brush it off. I never think about it. And she really took me through what was going on internally for me as I was chewing my lips. And I realized that I was really uncomfortable with sitting still. I was really uncomfortable with doing nothing and even the act of just like chewing my lips or rubbing my lips made me feel like I was just even being like had had an element a tiny like meaningless element of control a meaningless element of doing and then this unlocked a whole bunch of memories that I had about how as as a child I was never allowed to be idle if I wasn't being useful I was useless and all of these things just came flooding out from the simple act of 
noticing that I was chewing my lips when I was feeling relaxed, which I would never would have thought about. And, um, and since she's given that like even triggers with food, like I eat food and then I'm so focused on the full feeling that I don't notice that there's a whole story going on in the discomfort and the messy feelings and just, you know, a, a great coping mechanism for me is being able to just be able to sit with my quote unquote anxiety that I'm feeling and seeing what kind of stories are coming up for me, both on a physical visceral level, like, Oh God, like I want to throw up, like I'm not actually hungry, but I'm, I'm wanting to put food in my mouth just to, Mm. you know, whatever, whatever. And then also like emotionally, what are the, what are, what are the beliefs that are going on under here that I would probably just normally bypass by, Mm. you know, like life's good. I trust the flow of life. Going for a walk. I'm going to get out. Like I'm the biggest advocate. Everyone's heard me say a million times, go out in nature, go for a walk, which I still am a huge fan of, but I think through what you're saying that there, yes, that is going to be beneficial. Yes. You were calling to feel better. We always do once we're in fresh air and nature and moving our body, but that shouldn't be the only way out of this discomfort and the only solution to this discomfort. And maybe we should sit in that discomfort a little bit longer and explore it and investigate it. And journaling can be a really way, a good way, I guess, of processing it. Then rather than just, I'm just going to, okay, I'm feeling this, this is now going to make me feel better. So I'm going to go and do this. And I think this then relates to the conversation that we have between our humanness and this spirituality, you know, the spiritual side of me, the side that feels very connected to my higher self and wants me to evolve into a a better and greater and wiser version of myself is the go out in nature meditate, I don't know, um, take a bath, do, do pull some cards. All these things are going to, you know, give you the answers. But then the human aspect of all of us is craving to sit in that discomfort because that's the most human possible response we can be having to a situation is the feeling that we're, that is coming to us at that moment. And I think I don't want anyone listening to be under the illusion that this somatic somatic therapy is, and again, I know I say this, I hate this term, but woo woo or it's something that, oh, I know, but I'm trying to just paint the picture. I don't, you know, it's not some spiritual practice that is, uh, you know, if you only, you can only subscribe to it if you believe in that kind of train of thought. This is sound psychological practice that is, uh, that is um, administered through actual professionals with the belief that, well, not with the belief, with the science that we store a lot of our patterning and our conditioning and our responses within our bodies. And um, I think when I'm doing the sessions with the therapist, it always, you know, I've done a lot of breathwork sessions. I've done a lot of Reiki. I've done a lot of really kind of, uh, work that takes me out of myself to come back into myself with new messages, new, new information. And so when I'm having this experience with the somatic therapist, it feels like the same flavor. It tastes the same flavor as when I go outside of myself to come back to myself because you're tapping into old stories. And the, the example that you brought up was beautiful before about chewing your lip and then it unlocked all that kind of patterning. So it feels like that same thing of maybe when I've done breath work of kind of feeling like, you know, you're in this yeah. other almost element. But, but instead of trying to get out of yourself to come back to yourself, you're going further into yourself to come back to yourself. And your body. And what I find so fascinating is that it's actually a physical human body that we relate to and interact with and People know us for mm. our and it's got body. things to tell us, and that is listen. got the, yeah. And the most fascinating thing is that's got the wisdom that we're all seeking mm. outside of ourselves, and we're seeking outside in going into nature or doing you know transcending into meditation, which all absolutely has its place, but it also has our place tapping into the wisdom that our body physically our human body has for us and is waiting and wanting to give us, but we're so focused on going, uh, moving ourselves away from it to learn what's in it. (laughs) 
I think. Yeah. And my teacher always says, uh, and all of these things have finally just clicked for me because I was so focused on the spiritual side of things and elevating my consciousness and all of this sort of stuff. Um, that our body is just an imprint of our consciousness state. And then you think about Bruce Lipton's work, that your beliefs become your biology and all of these things. I even read somewhere recently and it was like, your body is just a record of the past, your past, past thoughts, past experiences, past distresses and, and your body. And it's not just like physically what your body looks like. It's, it's, how your body feels and your relationship, because I know for myself, I've had a lot of trauma in my life, some better than some people and worse than others. And I tend to, uh, when I'm having uncomfortable feelings, really disassociate. I split from my body. I, and I have often had the experience and I know a lot of people who have experienced trauma do. We have an out of body experience, but it's not a, not a pleasant one. It's not where you're like, Oh, look, there's me having my very human life. It's, it's like, uh, you look in the mirror and you don't recognize yourself kind of a kind of experience. So this is helping me come back into my body and really merge my soul with my body. And I have had more growth in the last four weeks and it has been very, very shocking to my system. So I've had to rest a lot than I have in, in a, in a long time, you know, um, and through a vehicle that is, essentially, you know, science and psychological practice rather than that. And I think that's the really important intersects that we're going, we're kind of talking through here. You know, anyone that's listened to these juiceps will know how much we align with spirituality and that side of life. But that other, the, you know, just adding another element to it, you know, adding another element to how we, how we grow and how we're expanding and how we're evolving as human and divine beings. And we can have spiritual and emotional experiences happening simultaneously. We can practice simultaneously spiritual and emotional practices. I still meditate twice a day. I still do things like Mm. getting out in nature and grounding work, but I'm also now having a regular practice of, uh, you know, therapy that really helps me understand my history and process my trauma and somatic therapy that really helps me get into my body. And I'm really starting to just like break down this idea that I definitely had that in order to cancel out something negative, a negative experience, we use a positive experience, cancel out a negative yes. thought with a positive thought instead of getting actually behind that and just going for neutral and neutral is acceptance acceptance of exactly where I am right now, not trying to project into the future to cancel out a past, but just like what is real for me right now in this moment. Um, and then going from there, using, using that as my baseline foundation to move forward. I think another layer of this conversation too, and I'd love to speak to as well and get your thoughts uh, is this idea that I know I've spoken to a few other single women about this as well, is that the idea that wanting a relationship or wanting to connect, craving some kind of connection is a sign that you're lacking, that there's an area in your life that is out of alignment, that you're obviously not giving yourself enough self-love and all that stuff. And that is something I've subscribed to the whole time I've been single. And it always, every time I could feel that really innate, uh, innate, need to want to connect with someone or want a relationship or yeah, want a relationship. Basically, I always then would then say to myself, no, uh, you know, that obviously means if you're really craving that and craving that through another person, that means you're not fulfilled enough within yourself. You need to do, this is my eternal dialogue, by the way, you now need to do more work. You now obviously don't love yourself enough because you're wanting it through somebody else. You need to build up your self-worth. You need to be, and you know, and then I have a lot of well-meaning friends say things like, you know, you need to be really comfortable, own who you are and love who you are. And then the right person will come. Nothing. So then I always think, okay, well, All right. That's not coming because obviously, obviously I've still got so much work to do within myself, which is a component, but it's not the whole pie, which is what I've Mm. learned. And I think that's the really, you know, craving connection, craving, wanting a relationship for the right reasons. I've realized through this last month isn't a sign that there's anything necessarily wrong with me or any deep work I have to do in terms of 
loving myself more or building up my self-worth because I've got to say my foundation, and you can probably attest to this, is pretty strong with my sense of who I am right now in terms Compared to me a few years ago. I know. But even saying, like, I was just thinking about what you're saying, you know, people saying, you know, oh, you just got to build up your self-worth. You just got to do a little bit more work on yourself. You're still the problem then in your own head. I'm still the problem. I'm still not enough. I still haven't done enough. And that's, that narrative is the problem that, that somehow as you are, is not enough, that you are not lovable, that you have to do more and you have to be more in order for somebody to be able to see the things that you know to be true about yourself Mm. and therefore love you, which is so, and it invalidates, I invalidate. That's a word, right? I don't know. Doesn't validate. I don't know. It doesn't. Yeah, I think it is a word. It doesn't validate your experience of your innate human experience that sometimes you can feel like I really want to feel that sense of connection with another human being. And -hmm. at the end of the day, you can do all the self-love journaling. You can have all the baths with the roads pedals, you know, do all the things, tell, repeat all the affirmations in the mirror but there is something so innate and human about us to want to connect with another person. And I yeah. think anyone who's felt up like I do, I just want you to know there is nothing wrong with that. And as you just said, then you always feel like there was something wrong. And, it, you know, you then have friends saying you just need to do you and be really comfortable and happy with you and someone will come along. That's always what single people get told. But I am doing that. I am, you can, you know, I am feeling really whole and filled with myself. That doesn't mean I can't then at the same time crave or want connection or look forward to having a relationship, I guess. I think there's a difference as well, which is, you know, something we wanted to talk about. This is where the difference between needing a relationship Mm. and wanting a relationship, like knowing the difference between the two is very, very important because if you need a relationship, you're saying that my happiness is dependent upon something outside of myself. I cannot be happy or I cannot be fulfilled or, you know, unless I have this thing in my life and until I get it, I'm nothing's going to change. Wanting a relationship is much more intentional. I know I'm worthy of love. I want love in my life because it makes my life better because I want to snuggle up to someone on a couch on a Saturday night. I want to share uh, life, I share my life. You know, yeah. we're, we're wired to connect with people. I think where we get a little bit confused again is this idea that a relationship completes here, which we've talked about before um, that we have to be something in order to get something which we don't so true what you're saying yes I've been bogged down sorry you go yeah no you go oh yeah well we're also like a society of instant gratification like I want this right now there's no trust there's no surrender to the complete way that universe god nature whatever works so there is an element of like just do you and you're the right person will come along but i mean that's not helpful like okay cool you know like i am doing me like that's what i always think i'm like i am i'm doing a pretty like thanks for pointing out the obvious guys you could definitely (laughs) tell the difference with me from a couple of years ago to now like i am doing me and i'm really i really love who I am and who I'm becoming as well. But that doesn't mean at the same, you know, there's the the power of the word and and. I can be love. I can love who I am and love where I'm going and loving the work I'm doing and still crave human connection. Like I don't Mm -hmm. think it's one or the other as well. And I I don't think you have to be perfect in order to have your perfect person. Like you can meet someone and grow with them. Yes. If you know where you're going is the most important thing, more so than needing to be there. Absolutely. And I think that's that idea that wanting and craving, craving a relationship means you're lacking in some way. And I can speak from experience in the past. I know when I'm definitely being driven by that want, that need, to have a relationship or connect and that want. And I think once you get to a point, you can really separate the two that mm. unlocks it. That, un- that really changes the game and you don't have to feel guilty about embracing your humanness, I suppose. Yeah. And see, I'm at the opposite end of the spectrum, which is where I'm like, I don't need anybody. 
I've been there totally. <laughs> I don't need you know, no man. And, and that's coming back, but that's the opposite, you know, like again, coming back to this idea of balance. One end is like, I need someone. The other end is I don't need anybody. And then coming into that really healthy space where like I am, I am, I'm whole, I'm lovable, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I want someone to share my experience with. I think we've been the awesome thing about feminism and, you know, you know, female empowerment and the whole, that particular movement is just, you know, was, is so net, was so necessary and vital. But I think that empowerment and we've chatted about this has then been confused with independence so for me I feel like oh but I'm a really empowered strong female and I don't I don't need need a man oh but I kind of I, I would like someone to share my life with oh okay, does that then mean that I'm not as empowered as I thought I would be because I should be able to do it all by myself, I guess, maybe? Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. Like I know that I've confused, <laughs> I've definitely confused my, I've been like, I'm such an independent woman, I don't need anybody, right? And I thought that was a very empowering thing to do. And then so when I've, I think I've judged women who need their partner, not necessarily men, if they're, you know, in a relationship with a woman, but her ha- as weak. Mm, and but same. what I actually, yeah, what I've come to realize is that is because of my own structures that people are unreliable. People are going to let you down. So it's better and safer for you if you keep yourself at a distance from other people. And that's actually the true story that's going on under that Mm. action that's manifesting in the world. Well, certainly for me anyway, is that it's safer for me to be by myself and not need anybody because people are unreliable. Um, So, and everybody is playing some story in their head. That's the point. Every single, no one is immune from the stories that they're telling themselves, whether you're consciously aware of that or not is a completely different story. And I know that there's still stories playing on in my head that I'm not conscious about, which is why things like coaching and therapy and somatic work and breath work and all of the things, writing even, if you can't afford those things, like these things you can do by yourself, which help bring the unconscious to the conscious mind. That's what awakening is. You're awakening to the truth of yourself. You are bringing these things into your awareness so that you can release them and be more you, as much of you as you can possibly be, given that we are human and there's going to be an element of ourselves that we keep to ourselves, you know. Um, Don't know where I was going with that, but felt good to say it. So carrying on from that conversation, which flows quite effortlessly into our next topic is, I guess, the idea of women owning who they are and who they want to be, but also marrying that with the idea of who then we are to the people around us and who we are as a mother and a partner. And that sometimes uncomfortable intersects between wanting, yeah, to be who we want to be, but also being what society expects us to be, I guess is the way to yeah. put it. What's been your experience with this? Ooh, I definitely think that this was most apparent to me when I became a mother because I feel like I had to be, and I don't think I was consciously, consciously aware of this, but I felt like I had to be this like perfect mum. I was really trying to do everything that I could to basically not be my mum, my own mother, who I judged to be what, what I considered to be like a quote unquote bad mother. So I was doing everything that I could be to, to, to be a good mother. But I really remember struggling internally with that. So I was like, you know, this is not easy for me. Um, I, I hate this. I didn't hate it, of course, but these are the things that I would say in my mind. Like, I hate this. I'm struggling. Like, why is this so hard for me? I'm a failure as a mother. And I remember one time, and I've talked with Steve, I hope he doesn't mind me sharing this, but (laughs) it does sound bad. It was bad. It felt very bad at the time. Um, But I was really struggling one day. Bo had been crying all day, maybe for like multiple days, who even knows. But I was at like in wit's end and I was said to him on the phone, I just was crying out for help. Uh, I was crying out for somebody to see me and see what I was going through and struggling as a woman trying to understand, you know, who am I as this new person, this, this person's, this human's mum. Um, and I was like, I just want to walk out the door and never look back. 
And Steve said to me, what kind of mother speaks like that? And it just stabbed me in the center of my soul because I thought, wow, what kind of mother? I was like, I've, I'm, I'm, I've really failed here. I'm, I'm not a great woman. I'm not a great mother. You know, what's, where, what do I do with this? What do I, where do I go with this? And that was like one of the things at the start of my spiritual journey that really propelled me to, towards knowing and understanding myself more and what was driving me and who was I now that I'm a mum and belonging to this other human being? Do I still belong to myself? Um, but what I was what I was trying to understand was can I still be what the world wants me to be? As well as still acknowledging that I am a woman with hopes and dreams and desires and needs. And, you know, sometimes like everybody, I want to switch off and chill out and have some peace. And sometimes I want to step fully into that role and cook the pancakes that are freaking stacked with like strawberries perfectly curated on top and all of those things, you know, that doesn't, this idea that society says that a mother should look a specific way by doing X, Y, and Z, or that to be a woman, you need to sacrifice parts of yourself for the greater good of your family or your friends or your community is so unhealthy and so unhelpful. We're selfish if we want to give time to ourselves and we feel like we have to ask permission uh, to, you know, oh, I'm going out the shop. How long are you going to be gone for? Well, I don't, you know, I don't feel like we do the same to men if they are like, I need to go and do, I don't know, men things. Men fishing stuff. Or whatever. <laughs> yeah, men stuff. Boy stuff. I, I know this is like for me and Steve, like if he's like, oh, I'm going out fishing. I'm never like, what time will you be home? I don't text him during like being like, Hey, how's your day going? We're doing this. You know, what time, you know, all of, I don't bother him. I'm like, that's his time. He'll be home when he gets home. He's not doing this consciously, but if the shoe's on the other foot and I'm out, it's like I get a call every two or three hours and then Bo, Bo's missing you. He wants to know when you're home kind of thing. And I'm like, just really let me enjoy my time. And then I start feeling selfish and that whole you know, a story that I tell myself loops around and around and around. Um, yeah. I, and I think all mothers experience that to some degree, maybe not all. I um, think it, what you're saying then ties to something I've noticed. And I feel like you're going to be on board with this too. I've never brought this to you before. I always hear women, particularly mums, but women in general described as they put everyone before themselves as, like, as if that's the ultimate compliment that can be paid to a woman, that they put everyone before themselves. And it doesn't sit well with me. That really jars me that the peak and the pinnacle of woman, womanhood, womanhood is that you are you place yourself as less important than everyone of sacrifice that yes placed on a bed of sacrifice and everyone else in your life your children your husband your friends your family is more important to you before you tend to yourself Mm -hmm. and I think that I see it all the time and I think that line of thought is so damaging because then we aspire to this ideal that to be the perfect mum and the perfect wife the perfect partner we have to lose ourselves. We have to Mm -hmm. completely become secondary to everybody else's wants and gains. And I think that's been a real turning point for me, like not doing that. But also I remember a couple of years ago, I went to Sri Lanka. Um, Ollie was turning two, not yet two. And I went to Sri Lanka for a um, yoga and surfing retreat. It was awesome. Loved it. And a couple of days in, one of the women said to me, this is so cool that you're a mom and you do stuff like this. And I was like, yeah, she was being very complimentary. She was like, it's so great. It's so refreshing. I hope when I'm a mom, I get to still do stuff like this. I'd never even thought that it was something that I shouldn't do. But then it got me thinking a lot of mums wouldn't go and do something like that because they would feel like they couldn't. That they when can't my kids put are them, older. That's my what kids they are say. older. I can't put myself 
first in this way because I've had a child that would be a selfish thing to do. And Mm -hmm. I, I guess, you know, I love being my, I love being a mother. I love doing everything I can to make sure that my son has grows up knowing he's loved and safe and nurtured and accepted. But I think a big part of that is showing him just as important as, as it is showing daughters that it's not selfish to put yourself first. And I think that's really important for women, everyone to hear and know that. This is how, and I hate that I even need a reminder to feel good about doing things for myself. I hate that I need to remind myself that I'm doing this to show my son what it is to look after yourself and what it is to pursue your dreams and follow your heart and do what feels the most aligned thing to you. And then, you know, I hate that I have to even have that grounding, um, you know, statement in order to feel better about doing things that I want to do. Like there's not, like I could say it's for my self care, but sometimes I just want to do shit. Like I like stuff and I want to do it. It's as simple as that. We want our children to do that. That's what we're trying to show them to do. Then they watch us modeling, not doing that. (laughs) Yeah. And I just, you know, I just, I don't want, I've, I've seen this with a lot of, you know, my mom, I guess would be a prime example in a weird way (laughs) of someone who is in her, you know, late fifties, I think she is. And trying to figure out who she is now because she feels that she sacrificed herself well more for her husband than her children but she gave everything to him and so now she's in her more advanced years of life um and trying to figure all of that out and I want to just live life fully now I don't want to wait till later and I don't want Bowden to be something I've sacrificed stuff for not because he's not worth it but because I'm worth it, you know, it's got actually got nothing to do with him. Yeah. I'm not less of a mum. I'm not less of a woman. I'm just more human because that's just, you know, what, what I want to do. It's as simple as that. I think that there is so much expectation placed upon us in so many different arenas, like even how we should look when we're pregnant how we should look or recover giving, you know, after birth, which for me, like if I was to, you know, abide by this quote unquote, you know, what's acceptable, what's projected as acceptable. Like I failed, like I so found, I did not bounce back after birth and I'm okay with that. I, I felt how we birth as well. My body. Yeah. I felt so bad about my body when I was pregnant because I mean, woman, I think a struggle that women have, and I'm sorry to generalize to all women, is that so much for us changes over our lives. Uh, You know, even like, for example, starting when we get our period and we start growing breasts and our body starts changing. And then again, when we have a baby and you're growing and expanding in a society that tells you you should be shrinking and getting smaller. And um, it's such an obvious physical change, but going back to yeah. that humanist topic, it's such a, yeah. yes, it's so human. And then and to, it's easy for us to intellectualize and tell ourselves, but I'm growing a life and I'm growing a human, but, and I knew that I knew intellectually, I'm growing a life, I'm growing a human. My body is doing miraculous things. I knew that. And I believed and agreed with that. But at the same time, I was like, why don't I look like these other women? Why have I got stretch marks and they don't? Why do I have a black line down the middle of my belly button and they don't? Uh, Why are my boobs not as big as theirs are? Maybe I'm not going to be able to breastfeed. You know, like this narrative that had me so stressed out about how my body was or wasn't working for me was so unhelpful during my pregnancy And then after my pregnancy, why am I not losing weight as much as the other people? You know, other people are losing weight from breastfeeding. What about me? Oh, I got my period back four weeks after I gave birth. Like, this is fucked. Like, all of these things that told me that I was either right, 
or I was either wrong. I was either succeeding as a woman or I was failing as a woman. And to find the intersect between looking still really good as a woman and how women should be looking and also being the mother that we're expecting you to be at the same time. Find that little balance oh, and, and keep, then you'll be and okay. keeping the house clean. Yeah. And, you know, like trying to learn getting, you know, not working if you happen to be a stay-at-home mom and letting go of your income and feeling like, oh, fuck, I'm just taking, taking, taking from him all the time mm. because I'm not earning any money and I've got to keep up my, my share of the housework because that's what a perfect housewife does. And I've got to keep up my social calendar because, you know, otherwise I, I won't have any friends. Yeah, it's just so, it's just like, fuck off. I felt that so much as well. I felt I was 26 when I was pregnant. Jeez, I was young. I was 25 to, for most of it and then yeah, 26. Like I know. <laughs> and I was the only one in my friendship group that was pregnant and well, still I'm the only one that's really had a baby. And I felt I loved how I looked. I loved being pregnant. I loved how my, Ollie growing in my tummy. I thought it was the most amazing thing. I really yeah. loved it. That was me, but I couldn't really handle how I thought other people, namely my partner, my partner at the time might have perceived my body changing and my belly getting bigger. This is so true because I remember talking to Bo this morning and he was asking me about um, what it was like when he was living in in my tummy. And I remember that the times that I enjoyed my pregnancy the most was when no one was around me. Yeah. And I was just, it was just me and him and I didn't have to worry about how I looked or what other, how, basically how other people were. Yes. It was always that. Now I'm like, nobody, I see pregnant woman and I know exactly what they're going through. I'm like, you look so beautiful in my eyes. I remember remember we spent, yeah. You you just say Byron. We spent a month in Byron when I was maybe about five months pregnant, maybe four or five, five. And I never wore a bikini because I was just self-conscious of how my belly was looking on the beach. Mm. But then one time my cousin got me to put a bikini on. She took me down to the beach and she took all these photos of me on the beach with my belly. And they're my most favorite, treasured, precious photos now. This is mine as well. This is exactly <laughs> what I'm, I'm so angry. I didn't. It was ripped. Yeah. And she forced me to wear a bikini Oh, she wasn't ripped, but she was very, she was a CrossFitter. She forced me to wear a bikini. It's the only time I wore one my entire pregnancy. I cried on the day, but now I look back and I'm like, fuck, I looked so beautiful. Exactly. I wish I'd wanted more. Like it's insane. And I really felt shamed and embarrassed about it getting bigger. And I used to not wear really skin tight things and for what and for who. And I think it was just, I just was really uncomfortable with the idea of what my partner at the time was thinking, which was probably true. And then afterwards, when I had Ollie, like I only put on very minimal weight during my pregnancy, not because I'm a hero by any means. I had gestational diabetes. I genuinely couldn't eat anything delicious. Like, so I didn't, put on the normal amount of weight people did. Like I used to just eat really healthy, clean food because literally my baby's health was at risk. So I had to. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I kept that chunk of weight, which I won't say the weight because then I think women compare, get figures and numbers in their head and think that that's some kind of comparison where it's also individual. Then afterwards I kept that weight on because, you know, people are bringing around mac and cheese and delicious food and I ate it. And when me and my ex broke up, I never felt uglier and never felt more unattractive and was led to believe that that was a really shameful thing I'd done, not looking like how our friend's wife looked when she, after she had a baby. And that was so poignant. It was just like, what is wrong with me? I have failed being a woman as a mother because a woman as a mother is thin and looks good with the baby strapped to her chest, not how I'm looking with jeans that aren't really doing up. What fucks me off (laughs) (laughs) is how much time, like I get so, I think, I know it's not helpful to be fucked off at myself, but I get fucked off at myself and even society about how much time we even spend talking about this, like how much time I have even wasted thinking Mm. about what I eat and what I look like when there's so much more important things and parts of myself 
than that. And it, it really irritates me. But there's still so many ways in which, not necessarily my image, I feel like I might be neutral with that. I maybe, I don't trust myself entirely. But I'm gonna say as much as I'm aware, I'm neutral with, I, I'm, I'm accepting of my body. But I know that food and that my relationship with food still consumes a lot of my time and energy. Mm, mental space. Um, and it's such a waste of time. Like it, it really is. But it's also very real to me, so I can't deny it. Do you know what I mean? Well, very human. It just loops back to our original <laughs> yeah. conversation. And very yeah. human and very much being a woman, whether we reject it and move away from it, which is awesome, it is still the messaging that we are surrounded by. Well, that's all we have time for. Thank you so much, Monique, for all of your incredible insight and wisdom. I love listening to you speak. I tell you every time you must have the biggest head by now because all I do is compliment you. So I really don't. But <laughs> I really don't. But I do the yeah, thank you. And this was a, this was a, I was very surprised by the trend some of our conversations took today. But I guess that was necessary and what what the, us. what the universe wanted us to get out. So thank you so much. You enjoy the rest of your week and enjoy this Whoa. moon. Good luck. And we will check <laughs> in with it. you again for another juice in four weeks. Bye. Thank you, my girl. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of The Juice with Money Barry, and I hope you liked it and got something out of it. If you'd like to connect with either of us, you can find Moni at Monique Barry underscore. As always, you can find me at Elizabeth O'Neill. And I know I say it every week, but if you have a spare minute, I'd be so appreciative if you could hit five stars, leave a review and hit subscribe. That helps boost the podcast and will mean it'll land in the earphones of people who perhaps really need it. So I'd be very, very, very appreciative. Bye, guys. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.